Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Sports Day with Paul Heath. A happy Wednesday afternoon to you, friends. I'm stoked to be here with you for the next hour and, well, for the next couple of days. I'm going to be trying to uh, squeeze my size 13s into uh, Pete's sleet, uh, you know, size 8 uh, Giorgio Armani's, but we'll see what we can do and uh, have a crack and have a bit of fun while the great man is away. But uh, do get involved on the Temperate Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. That's the best place to do it or give us a call on 13 12 55. We'd love to hear your lovely, lovely voices. That, that uh, text machine, of course, is available thanks to Bedshed, the experts in temper mattresses, billows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au and of course, Sports Day is brought to you thanks to Kia and the EV G6, uh, EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years and it has been a big day of news today. Let's dive straight on in, shall we? For the good oil for Cobram Estate Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil, we have some news at the West Coast Eagles that doesn't involve a player that hasn't turned out onto the field yet. It is their new announcement of their co-captains for their upcoming season and it'll be the first time in more than two decades that the Eagles will have co-captains in Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen. So the first pair to share the role since Dean Kemp and Ben Cousins did it back in 2001. And of course, unfortunately, Dean Kemp was forced into an early retirement that season with his concussion issues. But both uh, were widely tipped uh, earlier, Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen, that is, as potential successes alongside Tom Barris when Luke Shuey stepped down. But uh, Tom is going to remain as the club's sole vice-captain. Jeremy McGovern has stepped down from that role. Before we get to uh, the uh, body of the presser, which saw Oscar and Liam taking the majority of the questions from the media, let's hear what Adam Simpson had to say at the start of the presser as they announced Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen as the co-captains for the West Coast Eagles in 2024. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'll keep my bit pretty brief, but um, it's with great pleasure uh, we're all here to announce uh, the future leadership of the football club, um, going with uh, joint captains, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, obviously the two guys here, along with Tommy Barras, who's our vice-captain, uh, we did a voting through the players and some staff on 
uh, who we thought should lead the club going forward, and the three of them were very highly rated, along with McGovern. But these two were pretty hard to beat. They sort of um, even for the whole way through. So um, we've gone with dual captains. We think it's a real positive step forward for our footy club with our future. I think we've got 22 players under 21. So that's you know, half our list uh, are young. Uh, these guys are young enough, also with a connection to, their, to our leaders as well and um, our older players. So really excited to announce these two guys. Um, I'll hand the microphone over to these two and, and uh, yeah, start a new beginning. Go alphabetical with Alan first or is <laughs> that... So that is Adam Simpson introducing the co-captains of the West Coast Eagles for 2024 and beyond, Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen. Just a quick uh, history lesson for those of you playing at home of previous West Coast captains. It goes all the way back to the inaugural Ross Glendening, of course, from 1987 to 1988. Murray Rance did it for a season, as did Steve Malaxos in 1990. John Worsfold with the two premierships in 92 and 94, served from 91 to 98, 138 games in charge as skipper as well. Guy McCann did it for two seasons on his way out of the AFL 31 games. Dean Kemp uh, 8 games in that 2001 season as we spoke of earlier. Ben Cousins got up to 109 games as captain between 2001 and 2005 Chris Judd 2006-2007 for the two seasons before he took off. Uh, Darren Glass 2008 to 2014 129 games as skipper Shannon Hearn from 2014 to 2019 123 games and Luke Shuey across the 2020 to 2023 seasons, 56 games as skipper. Some great names on that list and Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen are set to join it and this is uh, them from the earlier press conference today as they will tell you how they're about to lead the way forward for the West Coast Eagles this upcoming season. Is that how we're going to do it? How did that feel walking into that sort of applause? Obviously a pretty popular decision. How do you feel, Oscar? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive honour. I mean, Doug and I, my captains of the footy club have been Shannon Hearn and Luke Shuey and I've had a tremendous amount of leadership around me and um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit overwhelming. It's a massive honour and uh, I'm excited to do it with Doug. I think we balance off each other really well and excited what we can do together and, and help propel this group forward. Did you see this coming, Doug? Uh, no, we, we only just found out recently so there's, uh, yeah, there's a fair bit of energy in the room which is nice and um, yeah, I think that's a bit of a flavour of this pre-season. So, um, yeah, a really nice uh, welcome there, but um, didn't see him coming. Like I said, it's a huge honour to, to be in this position with a, with a great mate of mine, so um, really looking forward to it. How's it going to work? Uh, you, you probably haven't even had a chance to sort of talk that through. And the coach is probably sort of coming to grips with it too, you reckon, you having two captains? <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. Uh, it's, it's a number of clubs do it, um, and we're not forcing it. It just felt right. Um, and, of course, you know, Tommy Barras's device, is, it just complements it really well. I mean, he's probably our spiritual leader um, with how he goes about it, and these guys can represent the club when they need to at the right times and bounce off each other. Adam, as much as you can, can you sort of go into detail how you come to a decision like this, especially so early in the pre-season? Oh, we've done the vote. The, the voting's pretty standard. Most clubs do the same thing. I think this time around we use some... some um, of the staff to help make the decision because it's a it's a club decision, so that was that's pretty standard. And then looking at the results, probably you know these two guys were just just even and everything. So and then we started to think about what it might look like, and we spoke to the, some of the leaders around the club in in, um, in Trev and uh, and chairman and the board, and um, you know they they endorsed it, so it ended up pretty pretty smooth in the end. 
Oscar, you had some chances last year to stand in as captain, and now you're one of the two full-time captains. What was that experience like for you this year? I suppose, sorry, not last year. Yeah, it was great. I think I think Duggo and myself, Tom, Jeremy, we all had an opportunity to do it, and it is a different feeling, kind of just on game day. But throughout the week, we're a pretty tight-knit group, and um, Duggo, I, Tom, Jeremy have supported each other throughout all of last year in this process. Um, We've had Luke to bounce off and, and him being at the football club as well. As a coach now, it's always someone who's experienced this and, and we can get any ideas or, or feelings that we're feeling and, and bounce them off him as well. Dago, same sort of question for you. What, what was the experience like standing in a couple of times this year? Yeah, it was uh, obviously it was an honour as well to do that for a couple of games. But I think um, the part about co-captains now is I, I feel like the club, although it's had one captain in, in my time and, and Oscar's time, uh, it hasn't been run just by one by one player in that leadership group. So, um, although there's two two people with the label now, we'll, we'll still be working with the team as Luke did, as Shannon did through my time as well. So, there's not a lot that changes for us and how we go about it. And and there wasn't a lot that changed in those couple of games that we led this year. So, it's going to be a team effort in that leadership space still. Um, there's two blokes with the title now, which is the only change. So it's it's going to be pretty smooth sailing, I think, through this process. Albeit we've got a lot to learn still. Um, in what comes with being a captain and all that, that extra uh, bits to do. Is it something, Oscar, that you've aspired to through your career, having been, I guess, showing those leadership traits and being spoken of as a future leader? Oh, look, when you get to the footy club, you're just hoping you play a couple of games and, and earn the respect of the group. Like, it's not something that you ever set out um, to achieve, but the, the footy club have been really supportive with... Doug and I have probably been on the same leadership journey. I think in the COVID year, we started doing some leadership training in that space, so... Um, the club's invested a, a, a lot in terms of time and resources in making sure that if this did ever come about, we were well prepared for it. So um, I'm incredibly grateful to Simo and the, the coaching staff and the whole footy club for doing that. Um, so it seems a bit seamless at the moment because we've had so much, I suppose, build up of that over the last three or four years. How do you think you're, you're different as leaders and can support each other and complement each other? I'll firstly be playing different positions on the ground, which is always a good thing. We've got a different perspective on field as to what's happening. Obviously, me behind the footy and, and Duggo around or behind the footy. Um, but like, we both are pretty similar in terms. We like to lead by actions, and that's probably the main way we're going to go about this. Um, we're both just going to be ourselves, and that's held us in pretty good stead to, to get us to where we are today. So there's no real need to change that going forward. Liam, does it feel like a bit of a fresh start in some ways for the, the group and, and the younger sort of brigade taking ownership? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the whole aspect of the two captains, it's a fresh start for this group over here with, with like Simo said, 22 blokes under 21 and uh, the, the co-captains is something new as well. So it's it's a great platform for us to, to continue to build now and, and we'll really sort of hone in on the energy that these that these blokes are bringing and, and we're already seeing it training at the moment. I mean, if you guys would have seen it already, it's, it's been a hot start. It probably looks a little bit different to years gone by. So everyone's really excited about about where we're heading and this is just another part of that process and, and uh, a fresh new look at it and, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's going to work really well. Tell you what, they're talking the talk down there at West Coast and I am lapping it up. That's Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen joined by their coach, Adam Simpson. That is the two 
Unit co-captains for the West Coast Eagles for the upcoming 2024 season. The first time in two decades, more than two decades that the West Coast Eagles have done it. So look forward to see how they turn out and uh, how the season goes from there. But uh, as you can hear Dougo saying at the end there, you can tell that training's different. You know, the intensity's back and uh, they're hoping to put that out on the field next season. But let us know your thoughts on uh, the, the choice of uh, you know co-captains, number one, but then also for it to be uh, Liam Duggan and Oscar Allen. We'd love to hear from you on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 on Sports Day with Paul Heath. And that's all thanks to the Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. Before we get to our first break and on the way to our first guest, which will be Paul Dennett. He's our cricket expert here on Sports Day WA. Thanks to Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. And Polaris plate clearance deals are on now, by the way. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. If you missed what uh, Glenn Maxwell's ton last night sounded like over India, we'll play it right here into the break as Australia got their first win in the T20 series versus India. We'll talk that and more with Paul Dennett after this upcoming break. Oh, he goes high, he goes long for maximum. That's Maxwell at his best. Oh, that is a magnificent hit for another six. 23 from that over. Game on. Just like that. Exactly like that. A reverse lap for six. And that brings up his 50 as well of 28 deliveries. Oh, starts off with a maximum. Straight out of the middle. On to tier number three. No, he goes towards midwicket. And clears him by a distance. Back-to-back sixes for Glenn Maxwell. He gets a hundred, goes for four, and it's a 47-ball hundred. Equals Josh Inglis and Aaron Finch to be the fastest hundreds for Australia. And he's gone straight and finished it off in style. What a century this has been. What an innings this has been from Glenn Maxwell. Record equaling 400 in T20 internationals, tying with Rohit Sharma, and more importantly, kept Australia in the series. There probably wasn't a a number, I think, at the back end that we sort of set ourselves to, but we just thought if we could sort of stay in the hunt for at least until the last over and give ourselves a chance, uh, you never know. If we get a couple out of the middle, we might stay in the game. And uh, we did did really well just to keep ourselves in the game until the final, uh, final over. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Paul Heath. Uh, great to have your company this Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, earlier today I had my umbrella out on the way to get to work and you look outside now and it's uh, turned into a bit of a corker of an afternoon. Certainly a lot uh, cooler than it has been the last week and a half or so. Where we 
did uh, well to uh, get underneath uh, 40 degrees any day of the week. We're here thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years and just over uh, the bridge from where I look out. I can see the whacker and I can see that the WBBL uh, final is underway uh, with the Perth Scorchers taking on the Brisbane Heat. Now, pretty good effort from the Brisbane Heat. They uh, turned out last night and then they're straight back into it again tonight versus the Scorchers. So the Scorchers, they knew that they, they are bowling first, I should say. The Brisbane Heat won the toss, selected to bat, uh, as you would with Grace Harris opening the uh, batting for you. But the Scorchers knew Harris was the wicket they needed. They've sort of purchased it in a way. Uh, Natalie Cyber Brunt has uh, picked her uh, up Grace uh, LBW for 54 from 33 deliveries. So the Heat moving along nicely to one for 76 Inside nine overs so far, but uh, last night we were checking out a uh, oh, same uh, code of cricket, but uh, in another part of the world and over to India as Australia did manage to get their first win of the series versus India in the T20 series so far. But it's time to welcome our cricket expert on Sports Day WA. We are joined by Paul Dennett. Good evening, Paul. Hey, Hita, how are you going, mate? Good, thank you, mate. Thank you so much for the time. It's uh, lovely to have you join us, especially after a win as well as the first uh, for the Aussies in this series and a series of big scores so far. Yeah, it's been um, uh, very brutal for the bowlers, let's put it that way. Back in the old days um, when one-day cricket first began, Bill O'Reilly, the great Australian bowler and then very kind of... um, witty and um, irascible journalist said, oh, you might as well just pick 11 batsmen in one-day cricket. There's no point in picking bowlers. i tell you what, you, you could make an argument for that in this series. It's been very, very difficult. The one honourable exception has been Jason Berendorf. He's, um, he's yeah. produced a couple of very good performances. But that aside, um, yeah, I've been seeing overs. I think Glenn Maxwell's last over last night went for 30 runs, um, <laughs> all told. Um, but he more than made up for that with yet another inning. So, yeah, it was... It was um, it's a funny series because it's coming hard on the heels of the World Cup. Everyone you talk to just says this is uh, possibly the most ludicrous series to have ever been scheduled. That being said, it would have been a great pity if we were to lose it in straight sets and potentially go down 5 nil. So to have won one game and made it 2-1 was, was pleasing last night. So there's a bit of uh, alternative choices in both of the lineups for Australia and India. But, I mean... You were saying it in reference to something else, but what does this series mean? What's it, what's it all achieving? Is it is it just part of a you know build up to the next World Cup, or what are we yeah what are we achieving here? I guess. Well, there are a few different things. I think first of all, the the board of control for cricket in India um, needs to sort of spread cricket around their country. Australia is a big draw card, and when India says we would like you to play, the smart thing to do is to say yes, we will. <laughs> um, you know, if Australia had said actually. We've got what we've got, you know, our own Sheffield Shield season. We want to get these players back after they've had such a long time. And no, we're not going to go over there. That would have been a, a self-defeating attitude because, you know, the, the power is with India. And, and that's the reality. And without India, cricket would be a very small sport globally. So we shouldn't get too upset about it. So I think there's that. And then secondly, well, given that these, series, these matches have to be played, they are... Um, a fantastic opposition to play against, albeit they are putting out kind of a second 11. And, yeah, the the, the way that the cricket merry-go-round is that we've got the next um, World Cup on in June next year in the West Indies and the United States, and they don't get to play that many T20 internationals. So 
It will come around quickly enough and it's an opportunity um, to iron out a few positions, test out a few players who may or may not make the make the grade, yeah. Glenn Maxwell, uh, described him earlier as a bit of a greyhound and he needs that bunny of someone else scoring a big one right in front of him for him, him to then chase that down and better it. But, yeah, some amazing striking uh, in the last month from him along a career of just some crazy heights, but unfortunately some yeah real lows as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you just look at his figures in, in awe. Like during, the, during the World Cup, they showed the... The, the entire history of World Cup strike rates. And I think Brendan McCullum was equal second on 122 runs per 100 balls, which is elite. And then Maxwell's in the, into the 160s. Just like <laughs> the, the gap between him and the rest of the field is just extraordinary. Um, and I mean, he's, he's been my favourite player to watch for a decade now. Um, and I'm always on the bandwagon for him to be included in the test side and uh, you know, that's still, I suppose, a possibility the next time we tour the subcontinent. But it's just been wonderful for him to have dominated in, you know, in many games during this World Cup and to have continued to do it in the in the T20 um, last night. I mean, that sort of innings, no one else can play it. And some of the ways that he gets the ball, the, the reverse sweeps that he plays off fast bowlers where he hits it um, for six over third, uh, just some of those shots are just indescribable. Um, and that, that innings he played against Afghanistan when he was badly cramping up and basically the, the only thing that wasn't effective was his hands. And he's just throwing his hands at the ball and, and, and depositing it to all parts. Um, you know, at the time people were saying it's the greatest white ball innings ever played and I, I think that probably is true. Josh Inglis, uh, he got the chance during the World Cup. Uh, he's continued on with uh, some pretty handy performances in this T20 series as well. Have, how have you rated his work in India from the World Cup onwards? Yeah, pretty pretty good. I mean, um, he, he played. Uh, yeah, he got that hundred the other night, which was which was um, important. And I think that he's going to be probably certainly figuring strongly in uh, calculations for the for the side for the. For the tour of uh, for, for the World Cup in the West Indies, Matthew Wade is still actually the wicketkeeper, and he he played well last night. I think that he will probably still be in the side as well. So mm. there's, there's room for them for them both. Um, English he didn't um, you know didn't set the world on fire during the World Cup, but um, he played a couple of nice and important innings that probably went under the radar a little bit. He got one half century um, that was that was a, um, a difficult innings in the I think in the run chase in the semi final against um, South Africa. So. Mm. It was a controversial change from Alex Carey to, to Inglis. It kind of came abruptly, and you wouldn't say that Inglis has nailed down the position, but he's done nothing too wrong. And, uh, yeah, I, I think at the moment he's uh, the, the in, he's a fixture as the white ball wicketkeeper, and he'll be in the white ball side um, as a specialist batter for the, for the short term at least. Matthew Wade, uh, does he get enough credit as a T20 skipper? And also, is he... I don't know how he's become just, you know, the man for the T20s. You can bat him at six. You could open if you need him to, but then strategically out on the field. I, I don't know if there's too much getting past him. But, uh, yeah, is he getting enough credit for what he does as a T20 skipper? Um, I, he's probably not getting enough credit for um, his batting in T20 cricket. I think that... Mm. Uh, it surprises me that he doesn't bat higher um, because he came in last night in difficult conditions. That you know, that Stoinis found difficult to, to, to middle the ball, and um, initially Wade did as well. And then, right at the right moment, he um, came to the party, hit several boundaries, and, and played an important role alongside Maxwell in Australia getting the win. I found it surprising that people were kind of talking, "Oh, will 
will he be persisted with for this next World Cup as, as though uh, you know his age is a factor? I mean, I, I would definitely be having him in the in the side. I certainly don't think he's too old, and I, I think that the Australian side is much, much stronger when, when he's part of it. Let's turn our attention to the upcoming summer and uh, David Warner. Does he get to complete uh, his planned upcoming farewell tour? If I was the selectors, yes, although um, I'd, I'd be tapping <laughs> him on the shoulder and saying, I'd like you to stay longer. I mean, I know that's kind of um, yeah. <laughs> contrary to what a lot of people think, but um, his record in Australia has been superb. The last couple of years, maybe not quite as good, but the recent form that he's shown in the World Cup, uh, I, I think he's, he's back to his very best. And I've got an eye to next summer when we've got um, India arriving, and I'm uh, very, very keen for us not to lose three series in a row um, at home against India. So I'd be... Um, eager for him to continue to be in that. That's not going to happen. So in terms of uh, should you drop him now, given that he's going to leave after the third test match against Pakistan, I don't think so. Mm. I think that although Pakistan have not um, won a test match in Australia in a long time, they've come close. And if Australia, you know, you, you just never know what's going to happen. If you don't pick the best side that you've got, and if Pakistan were to cause an upset and win the series, it would be, you know, a low-level disaster, really, for, for Australia. So I think pick the best side, um, then after that, look to see who the replacement will be. There's, it's been a race in three, uh, in, and with Bancroft probably moving ahead of um, Renshaw and Marcus Harris. But if you're listening to the comments of Andrew McDonald in the last couple of days, there's, I think there's an appetite to say, well, they really don't want to dispense with Cameron Green. And with Mitchell Marsh now having <laughs> locked the spot down in number, at number six, it may well be that when Warner departs that they find a new opener, whether that's um, Labuschagne or, or, or Travis Head, probably Labuschagne, move everyone up one and then bring Cameron Green into the side and then poor old Bancroft, Renshaw and Harris's battle will have been in vain. It's a, it's a pretty good problem to have, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, you could have worse problems, I think. But um, really appreciate your time jumping on Sports Day today, Paul, and uh, we'll uh, get you on next week after uh, we see the uh, conclusion of uh, this T20 series uh, versus India at the moment. Sounds great. Good on you, Heather. Thanks. That's Paul Dennett, our cricket expert here on Sports Day WA, wrapping up the uh, well, the win for the Aussies in uh, the T20 series versus India. But still two matches to go. Could you imagine if they come along and happen to snatch it? That would be uh, one of not, not quite one of the all-timers, but uh, it'd be up there. Hey, to save time and water, Irrigear is here. And just a quick sports update for you. The Heat are currently two for 87 at the halfway point of their innings. They're taking drinks at the moment. Alana King and uh, Natalie Skyver-Brunt have got the wickets for the Scorchers so far. Uh, Grace Harris was out for 54. Georgia Redmayne out for 11. Amelia Kerr is there on 11, not out. And Mignon Dupree is there on four, not out. And that's thanks to Irrigear. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. To save time and water, Irrigear is here. And coming up next, Ben Smith will be here, sports reporter at the West Australian. We're going to talk the world game on Sports Day WA. Welcome back to Sports Day WA on SEN. WA. And don't forget, you can get involved on the Temperate Bedshed text line. That's 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call on 13 12 55. We'd love to hear from you. But it's time for Chats with Mates. Thanks to Mate. Fair dinkum internet without the fuss. And we've got a mate joining us right now on Sports Day. It's Ben Smith, sports reporter at the West Australian. Thanks for the time, Ben. G'day, Paul. How are you? Going well, mate. Going well. Always better when I get to uh, talk to you on air. Now, I thought I'd get you on for a bit of a general football chat to try and, you know, sort of see where the landscape's at, what's been going on, because 
with everything else wrapping up or getting started, it's easy to see, you know, the A-League get missed a little bit by the, the common man out there. So, you know, Perth Glory men's and women's team so far this season, Alex Aparkas seemingly has the women's team humming, but maybe it's a little bit too early to tell how the men's team will fare this season. But what's your uh, thoughts on both so far? Yeah, as you say, it's been a bit of a mixed bag uh, this season for the glory. Uh, the men have won just one of their opening five games. They've lost all three of their away games. But the women have, uh, yeah, they've been shot out of the cannon. Uh, you know, won their opening four games, then drew their uh, round five game against Melbourne Victory. Uh, they did lose their first game of the season away to Wellington Phoenix on the weekend. But yeah, otherwise it's been good signs for them. And I always feel like, Alex, whenever I see or um, am aware of anything that Alex Aparkas has been working on, it seemingly is just on a positive or upward trend. Is there something about his coaching methods or is it just a sort of connection with the group that he seems to have? I think it's a bit of everything. I know that's a bit of a, a, bit of a boring <laughs> answer. I don't think he has one secret kind of special source or anything, but I do think that, you know, he's, he, you know, this is his, I believe it's, I think it's his fourth season in charge of the team, you know, um, He'll be the, you know, one of the longest tenured uh, uh, women's coaches in the glorious history uh, alongside Bobby Despotoski by the end of the season. So, uh, you know, he's, he's earned that respect from the playing group by the fact, you know, by virtue of being there for a while. But it's not just that because, you know, as, as we know, if someone's, you know, just simply there for a while, part of the furniture, it doesn't mean they're guaranteed to do a good job. But he's getting the most out of players. He's putting them in circumstances and situations where he knows he'll get the best out of them. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to tweak things like this season. We've seen Hannah Lowry sitting a bit deeper uh, in midfield. She's normally, you know, in the past played a bit more of an advanced role. Um, but he's played her a bit deeper. And, you know, I you know, I still think that's going to be something interesting to watch, whether, you know, she does move forward a bit more uh, as the season progresses. Uh, but she is good in that, you know, deep-lying position. She can build up well from the back and... Um, you know, Liz Anton, who has been a staple at centre-back uh, last couple of seasons, uh, was a member of New Zealand's, uh, you know, World, Women's World Cup team. She's been uh, playing left-back uh, for the glory a bit. She has played, spent a bit of time at centre-back, um, particularly on the weekend after uh, Claudia uh, Mihocic got subbed off with a uh, suspected head injury. But, yeah, he's moved Anton around partly because Mihocic, uh, has been really good uh, in the heart of defence. So, you know, he hasn't been afraid to throw the magnets around, but, you know, in a very, uh, you know, informed way. We saw the uh, initial sale uh, fall through for Perth Glory. Have we heard any more about the other groups that were sounded out, if they um, if they were still interested to uh, to purchase Perth Glory or still around? Uh, there's not too much of a buzz at the moment. Um, you know, obviously, quarter Mensa, the receivers... Uh, who are managing that process are, uh, you know, they're, they're still running that process as they were before. Hopefully with a bit of a happier uh, outcome for Glory fans this time around. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as, you know, they're doing their due diligence on the on some of the, you know, other bidders from the first round of bids, uh, as I understand. So, you know, that, that process is ongoing. Uh, hopefully won't won't take the you know six to eight weeks that the previous process did because they do have the uh, you know they have they've done their background checks uh, on the uh, on the previous uh, or at least a preliminary stage um, they did their background checks on Bridge and uh, and Nekic and unfortunately that 
sell through, didn't it? So uh, mm. they do have a bit of a larger pool of information to draw from uh, now that they've gone back to the drawing board. So it shouldn't hopefully take quite as long as the previous round did. So what's the landscape or, or lay of the land for, say, the A-League men's competition this year? Who's moving up? Who's moving down so far in the action we've seen? Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a, a very you know up and down season really. It's been marked by inconsistency, if uh, more than anything. Uh, which you know, I think Melbourne Victory have really impressed me. Uh, you know, they they were very poor last season under Tony Popovich, but uh, you know, I have been quite uh, entertained. Uh, you know, I think Daniel Izani's had a good start to the season. Uh, you know, for them, uh, Bruno Fornaroli is still, you know, even at 35, 36 years old, he's still one of the best strikers in the league. Uh, he's been really fun to watch. Just so important to the way the victory set up. Uh, you know, uh, Western Sydney have kind of been good without, you know, really, uh, you know, they're top of the table at the moment, but they haven't really blown me away too often. I think the team at for me, that has caught the eye most has been Wellington Phoenix. Uh, you know, they're equal top. They're, you know, they're second, uh, three three behind Western Sydney on goal difference, but on equal equal points with the Wanderers. And uh, yeah, under you know the new coach, uh, the man they call Chief. Uh, you know, they've been fa- they've been really good. He's got them. Uh, you know, Giancarlo Italiano has been fantastic. Uh, you know, breath of fresh air. I've liked the way they you know try and dominate possession. They don't just you know try to set up on the counter-attack. They're quite bold in the way they build up from the back. You know, they want the ball, you know, they and I think they've, you know, they beat Melbourne City at home, which, uh, you know, this season doesn't mean as much as it might have in previous seasons, given uh, the citizens, uh, you know, very uh, up and down start of the season. But I've been really impressed when I have watched Wellington. Um, I've liked what I've seen from uh, Ross Aloisi's Brisbane Raw team at times. Adelaide have had some, uh, you know, nice moments, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, I mentioned Adelaide just then, you know, they've had, obviously, were thrashed by Sydney quite recently under their new coach, Ufuk Tale. So I think there's a lot, yeah, it's still hard to really get a good finger on the pulse of which teams are, you know, actually really good and which teams have just started the season well. But, you know, a lot to uh, look forward to throughout the rest of the season. It was a few weeks back now that it happened, but uh, can you get your thoughts and opinions on uh, Nestore Enricunda, his sale, the potential of his career overseas, and uh, what he might need to look out for? I think with Nestore, you know, he is, uh, you know, he is the human highlight room. You know, he's, <laughs> I, there's not many 17-year-olds with a three-minute highlight package as good as his. Um, it's remarkable. His ability to score you know, incredible goals, you know, the backflips, the free kicks, uh, you know, the explosiveness, the speed. He's got, you know, he's got so many things going for him. I think there's a lot of pressure on him. And maybe this speaks to, more to the Australian, uh, you know, football fan kind of point of view or the, the psyche of the average Australian football fan. Uh, you know, the, the, the clamour for another world-class player or someone that, you know, that can be the next Socceroos star and be the face of the team in the way that Tim Cahill and Harry Kuehl and Mark Uduka were... Uh, you know, he's, it bears reminding, he's only 17, you know, and a lot of his games, you know, up until this season, he hadn't actually started a men's senior game for Adelaide United. He'd been coming off the bench. He'd been doing a lot of damage off the bench. Uh, but he hadn't actually been, you know, starting games and playing full 90 minutes. So, you know, I, from what I've seen of him, I'm, you know, pretty confident about, you know, his future. I think he's got a very high ceiling. You know, I don't think it's a dead certainty that he's going to be a world-class talent. You know, I see some... 
you know, A-League fans on social media, they kind of take it as a given that, you know, this guy's going to be, you know, he just because he's been signed for Bayern Munich, they think he's going to be a star for them for, you know, 10, 15 years. And that's not going to be, you know, that's not always the case. You know, development isn't linear. Uh, I really like Jürgen Kunda, but, you know, he, he hasn't done it against, you know, good European opposition. Yeah, he's still a kid. Mm. Um, you know, he's very he's a very exciting kid, but I don't think we can just, you know, take it as gospel, take it as fact, but, you know, he is going to be a superstar of a game. I think, you know, we need to measure our expectations because he's still so young. He's still got a lot of, uh, you know, growth developmentally, but also he's going to go to Europe and he's going to be playing against kids who are, you know, as he's going to be playing against kids and grown men who are, you know, more tactically astute, more physically developed, you know, more, you know, have, I guess, better game smarts, you know, uh, play at a high level of intensity, a high level of professionalism, and he's going to have to learn how to sink or swim. Is the Bundesliga uh, a good spot for a 17-year-old to land as far as their development, or are all the, you know, big leagues pretty much, you know, even as far as uh, what they can develop and how fast they can develop a talent goes? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, from what, have I, what, I've, what I do watch as a Bundesliga, which admittedly isn't, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm some <laughs> kind of uh, German football savant. I, do, I watch the occasional game, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert. It, is, it does seem to be quite a, you know, physically, you know, up and down type league, kind of similar to uh, uh, the, you know, the English Premier League, which can be a bit, you know, up and down, you know, a lot of uh, emphasis on pace and power. Uh, maybe more so than, you know, the tactical uh, game. But, yeah, I I think that, um, yeah, I think it is a good spot for Nestor. You know, just him being in a world-class setup, I think, is the most important thing. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether they send him out on loan somewhere or whether they put him in their second team. Uh, you know, uh, the Kiwi uh, international, former Wellington Phoenix player, Safarit Singh, he was signed by Bayern Munich a few years ago. And he had a, um, a you know, he's not hit the heights. He's not really featured uh, for Bayern Munich's first team. And, uh, you know, he was a very, you know, talented young player himself at A-League level. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy for Nestri. I You know, I'm intrigued to see what they do with him, whether they send him elsewhere in Germany, whether they send him to, you know, a smaller league in Europe or whether they keep him in the, uh, you know, the Bayern Academy for a bit to, you know, see what he's made of first. But I think the fact that he's at a, a world-class club, he'll have, you know, the best chance to fulfil his potential possible. Um, and I think, you know, him being in that setup is re- is a really good thing. And finally, as uh, we let you go, Ben, uh, to keep everyone on the text line happy, we can't talk football and not mention Ange. Uh, how's it looking at the Hotspurs at the moment? Yeah, it's, he's uh, he seems to have hit the wall a bit, Ange, but it hasn't <laughs> all been his fault. You know, I think, uh, you know, three losses in a row now for Tottenham, uh, but, you know, 2-1 loss to Aston Villa on the weekend. It has been very tough. No uh, no Ricky van der Ven, uh, who's been a really important part of their defence this year, uh, especially with that high line that Tottenham play. You know, his recovery pace was really important. He did his hamstring in the Chelsea game. Uh, James Madison... Uh, who has been, you know, one of the best players in the English Premier League to start the season. He's also out at the moment. So, you know, Ange has two of his best players on the sidelines at the moment, which isn't ideal, obviously. And, you know, I think he's struggling. Uh, you know, he's kind of finally hit that kind of 
resistance teams have started to figure him out. There's a bit more kind of scouting available on him. That doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be, that this is the end of him. I think, you know, once he gets a few players back, uh, he'll be fine. Uh, it's just, he's going for a bit of a rough patch at the moment. And that's okay. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, for Ange at the moment, I think he just needs a, a you know, a win, even if it's a scrappy win to kind of, to break the run of poor form. But the team's been playing the same style, um, you know, as it had been before the injuries, which is a, you know, a hallmark of Andrew's teams. You know, his plan B is to do plan A better. And that's very, uh, very much been, uh, you know, noticeable even throughout this, uh, you know, three-game losing run. How was Frank Turner last night? Oh, he was great. He's one of the, uh, the great live musical acts, I tell you. He's... Um, you know, I found, like if you've never heard Frank Turner and you like kind of folk rock with a more alternative rock edge, definitely check out Frank Turner. Fantastic live act. And uh, yeah, I'm off to see another great live act tonight in a, a small band called the Foo Fighters. So, oh, uh, of course. Yeah. I um, it, I think it'd be quite an intimate show. I'm not sure how many <laughs> uh, how many people have heard of them, but yeah, it's you know nice to support some up and coming bands. Oh, that's fantastic, mate. Well, thank you so much for the time on Sports Day today, mate, and uh, enjoy the fooies tonight. We'll catch up again soon. All right. Cheers, Paul. That's Ben Smith, the sports reporter at the West Australian, joining us on Sports Day WA. Thanks to mate and chats with mate. Score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Kerr worldie with mate. And we'll be right back to wrap up our Sports Day WA after this. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Paul Heath for this Wednesday. And join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. And just to remind you that Bryce Cotton will be joining the boys on the run home tomorrow from 3 p.m. So make sure you're there listening to that one. There's a bit of a rivalry starting to brew. I'm sure there's always been a rivalry between Mardo and BC, but it's really starting to brew at the moment. There's some videos flying around. And I think a, uh, a court showdown in uh, a suburban basketball court somewhere is about to be organised. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. But here's a quick community update. Thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepare this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings with Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to the new Firecoat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions. It's available at Bunnings Warehouse. And a quick score update in the WBBL 09 Eliminator. So we've got the Heat 3 for 130, about to go up to about 3 for 136 here as uh, Pippa Cleary's stepped over the boundary line of uh, an Alana King delivery, which is taken cleanly on the boundary line, but unfortunately then just taken the step over. Oh, it's unfortunate, isn't it? She tried to do a bit of a skip to uh, get herself out of the... Uh, action there, but uh, no, that's uh, gone for six. So Megan Dupree has uh, opened up a little bit here. 26 so far for her. Laura Harris is also there on five, not out. No, and uh, Megan Dupree is out. Next ball. So uh, that is the Heat four for 136 in the 15th over versus the Scorchers. The Heat won the toss and elected to bat as well. Now, earlier today on Breakfast with Scotty and Goss on SENWA. And don't forget, you've only got two more chances to catch these guys for the rest of the year. Tomorrow and Friday, and then they're off. 
for whatever they go and do for the off-season. But earlier today, Goss just had one of the all-time stories about re-gifting something you shouldn't. I went and got two bottles of my best bottles of wine. About three hours later, from Ash... <laughs> Wouldn't put this in my spaghetti bowl. What is this garbage you got me? Is no, no, it no, oh. no. It was actually told... It's Cullen's wine, thank you very much. Yeah. Cullen's very good, yeah. And, and Fair enough. someone has written on the back of the bottle. And what does it say? Oh, it's true. This is just me eyes out. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the worst bloke ever. <laughs> Handwritten note on the back. The start of a fun journey, mate. Can't wait. Gilly. Signed Adam Gilchrist. On the date. Ninth, oh, sorry, 9th of the 4th, 21. Unbelievable from Goss. So uh, he's re-gifted uh, a bottle of vino from the great man, Adam Gilchrist. But uh, luckily he's uh, got his hands back on it after swapping it for a uh, carton of swan, I believe. And uh, also don't forget to catch Brecky tomorrow morning for many reasons, but also that Liam Duggan will be joining the boys at 7.40 tomorrow, one of the new Eagles co-captains. That's Sports Day WA for this Wednesday. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmark, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. Have a fantastic evening. I'll be back tomorrow from 5pm to guide you through your Thursday afternoon. So take it easy. Have a great night.